Welcome to the Father Jim Willig Gospel Teachings Podcast, presented by Heart to Heart, a Catholic media ministry. Father Jim was a well-known and much-loved diocesan priest from Cincinnati, Ohio. Inspired by God's Word, for many years, Father Jim presented a weekly Bible study on the Sunday Gospels. In 2001, Father Jim went home to the Lord after a battle with cancer, but his recordings and teachings live on to inspire thousands. First, we hear from Father Jim's good friend, Jesuit priest, Father Michael Sparrow, who opens this podcast by proclaiming the gospel reading. Then, Father Jim's illuminating gospel teaching follows. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. When the crowd was pressing in on Jesus and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw Two boats there alongside the lake. The fishermen had disembarked and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, he asked him to put out a short distance from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. After he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and lower your nets for a catch. Simon said in reply, Master, we've worked hard all night and have caught nothing. But at your command, I will lower the nets. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets were tearing. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come to help them. They came and filled both boats so that the boats were in danger of sinking. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at the knees of Jesus and said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For astonishment at the catch of fish they had made seized him and all those with him, and likewise James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. When they brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. We have all heard about the proverbial fish stories, right? Well, I'd like to suggest that this is the greatest fish story that's ever been told. For two reasons. First, it's the greatest fish story ever because it really happened. This story is a true account of the miraculous catch of fish that truly would have impressed anyone at the time, but more importantly, on a whole deeper level, it is a story of how 
not so much how Peter caught the fish, but how Jesus caught Peter. By surprise, to become one of his great fishermen of men and women. So, as we delve or plunge into this gospel, I'd like to begin by simply explaining this gospel passage today is part of a literary genre, that is to say, a literary style of writing, known as the call narrative. Scripture scholars tell us that this brief report of the call of the first disciples is actually a very condensed version of what took place over probably a longer period of time. Much like any relationship might develop, and as it deepens, comes to a commitment, so probably Jesus came to know his disciples gradually and ever more intimately, and finally they made a commitment to following him. Nevertheless, in this abridged version we have, Luke has captured succinctly the dynamics of the divine call that is our call and vocation of every Christian. With that, we can plunge into the waters of this gospel as we begin seeing the scene of Jesus at the Sea of Galilee preaching the Word of God. And the, the crowd was so large that Jesus found it necessary to get into one of the boats, the boat of Simon, Peter, so that he could preach to the people at shore. Well, let me paint this little picture for you so we could appreciate this wonderful setting along the seashore of Galilee. That little bay area where the archaeologists tell us that Peter had his fishing industry is now presently called the Bay of Parables because Jesus evidently would commonly go there to address the crowds. It formed this natural amphitheater as they gathered around him on the shoreline and moving out on the water and speaking back to them, the water was a natural microphone that acted as a conductor carrying his voice. It's this genius of Jesus to select this area that became a very significant place where he would speak a word that would call forth the people to become more than just a crowd, but his followers. The crowd therefore quickly fades in the background and Simon Peter comes into the spotlight. You can just see Luke doing a zoom-in lens look at Peter because of who he is and his significant role as he is a prototypical disciple. Even his fishing partners, James and John, and not to mention Andrew, all fade in the sideline. The important point here is what will happen in the interaction in dialogue with Jesus and Simon. He begins by saying, Simon, put out into deep water and lower your nets. I suspect on a deeper level, Jesus is calling Simon to a deeper relationship with him and a deeper trust in him. It isn't just by accident that Jesus ended up in Simon's boat, 
just like I believe it's not by accident that we are all here right now today. And Jesus is asking each and every one of us to go deeper in our relationship with him and with those we are called to share life. Simon Peter naturally answers, Master, we have been hard at it all night long and caught nothing. Well, read in between the lines here, would you? Simon, who is the professional fisherman, has to be wondering and thinking about this carpenter turned preacher. What in the world does he know about fishing? And he was from an inland place of Nazareth. They weren't known to be fishing at all. And anybody who knows anything about fishing along the Sea of Galilee knows fishing is best at night. And if nothing was caught at night, then it's very doubtful that during the day anything else would be caught either. So you could almost sense Peter's exasperation and frustration, almost as if to hold Jesus in some contempt of what his natural instincts would be. And yet, for some reason, Simon says, but if you say so, I will lower the nets. Maybe it's because Simon, at least in that day, felt like a failure that he followed Jesus. Do you hear what I'm suggesting? I wonder if Peter was a little more successful if he would have been as open to the Lord. Can you translate that into your life? I wonder sometimes if it isn't our failures, our struggles, our suffering with our family, our marriage, our children, our business, our, whatever our enterprise might be, that actually opens us up to a point where we're no longer bent on doing things my way, following my plan and my agenda, but looking and listening to the Lord to lead us. And there is the major shift. I like to say it in these words, this is the first time that Simon probably stops playing Simon Says, where he calls the shot. Simon says this, and this is what he does. Simon loves to tell other people what to do because he was the boss of his business, okay? Simon played Simon Says, do this, and it was done according to what he wanted. This is how he probably ran his life in his business. Don't we all? Yet, for some reason, Simon stops playing Simon Says and is open to what the Lord Jesus says. As now, his failure perhaps breaks him open to listen to the word of Jesus. And Simon lowers his ego along with his nets into the sea and becomes for us a model disciple as we are all called to lower our defenses that we could be open and obey the word of the Lord. And when we do this, brothers and sisters, things happen. Miracles happen. 
But we have to understand first that we're not unlike Peter insofar as we're all a little compulsive, you know, in doing things on automatic pilot, the way we're used to doing it. And sometimes the only thing that will stop us is failure. That will be the very thing that needs to almost happen to break the pattern in us, open us up to listening and learning another way, the way of the Lord. And at that moment, Simon was surely able to experience something that he would come to only understand much later in life, a great catch of fish. On the one level, of course, such a great catch of fish would have impressed any fisherman any day, especially after they had fished all night long and caught nothing. But please understand that in the way that we might experience that in our life. How many of us have spent the long, dark night of the soul laboring in our life to achieve our dreams, to accomplish our goals, and have nothing to show for it, if you will, no net profit. We come up empty-handed and even more empty-hearted. There's an emptiness within us that Peter was put in touch with. And because of that, it's in that depth of our own inner poverty that we can then begin to experience the lavishness and goodness of God. And so Peter saw this whole turn of events from emptiness to fullness as a sign of the fulfillment that he had been fishing for, that is to say, seeking and hoping for his whole life. Do you read it? Do you get it? When Simon saw this, something changed in him. First of all, his name. And in scriptures, you understand, a name represented the person. This is the first time in Luke's Gospel that Simon is now called Peter. It says, Simon Peter saw this. Peter, you might know, is actually a nickname given to Peter, probably by Jesus, as it's related in other Gospels. Petros is a Greek word that means literally rock or rocky. Jesus may have given him this name because he was such a strong man and a strong leader, or it could have been because he was so hard-headed and stubborn. What do you think? In any case, it's interesting because this rock, or rocky, was often seen throughout the Gospels as unstable, unreliable, and impetuous in every way, hardly like a rock. Perhaps some people think it's more of a pun, much like close friends recall someone who's on the stouter side, skinny, or someone bald, hairy. To call Peter rocky has the same point. You see, it's a call maybe to bring a significant change in Peter's life because very providentially, Simon's name became 
Peter or rock, for truly it was Peter's faith in Jesus. And acting on that faith in the word of the Lord that became the rock upon which Jesus would build his church, as is the rock upon which Jesus builds his people, his church today. In this amazing catch of fish, that's certainly a whole lot more than just fish here we're talking about. It's the deepest desire of our heart, huh? And so we're all fishing for and seeking in life a fulfillment in our own empty, lonely, hungry hearts. When Peter realizes that the source of this fulfillment, he immediately falls at the knees of Jesus. Or another way to say, he fell on his own knees and said, Depart from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. This is not the only time that Peter will be brought to his knees, aware of his sinfulness. But it's the first time, and it's the most important first step in what will be a long and gradual process of being humbled to realize his own sinful, human, weak condition. It is for all of us the first step in the spiritual life to be humble, to realize we are sinful, we need to be saved, and if it isn't for Jesus, if he isn't in our boat, then we're going to sink. There is no hope for us. And because of that, we are bent on listening and following his every word. Anything else would be disaster or failure. And Peter makes this first step, which is to call to fall on our knees. And it was a fall. You know, so many times I really think when we really grow in the Christian life, in the spiritual life, it may feel like a fall. And many times, our, even our spiritual failures, even our sins, become the occasions by which Jesus changes us and calls us to that deeper life, the deeper trust in him. And so Jesus responds to Peter, who, by the way, is also the first person in Jesus' public ministry to call him Lord. He says, leave me Lord. Can you see the change in Peter? This before was a guy who's imposing on him, all right? And now he's his Lord and Master. And that is to say, Peter's ready now to be a disciple, to allow Jesus to be his teacher. Are we ready? Are we ready? Are we wanting? Are we realizing how we need to be taught, to be led, to be instructed, to be informed, to be transformed? When we realize that, then it all begins to happen. You've heard me perhaps tell the Zen story of the disciple came to the master and said, Master, teach me. I want to be your disciple. And the master said, sure. And he poured a glass of water like this one here. But the master poured it all the way to the brim and kept filling it with water more and more and more and more. And the guy says, what are you doing? What are you doing? The master said, before I can fill you, you must first be empty. And this is the first lesson that Peter learned all night long. Now, how does that translate in your life except all these months, all these years, I've been trying to do fill in the blank. And 
It's when we experience emptiness, then we're ready to experience the fullness of the Lord. And then Jesus says to Peter, predicting, prophesying what will happen. He says to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men and women. Of course, the word uses men, but you understand in the Greek, men is meant in the inclusive language of men and women. So I think we properly translate it as such. Jesus is saying what in fact will ultimately come true on the Feast of Pentecost when Peter the fisherman will stand up and catch the attention and the lives of 3,000 people become disciples, new converts to Christianity. Not to mention many, many more people who Peter will lead to the Lord to come aboard, that is to say, to be in the boat with the Lord. The story closes with Luke ending with a concise description of discipleship. The culminating teaching lesson that when they realized who this was with them and what effect the Lord would have on them, then they were willing and ready to leave everything and follow him. Now they'd found their treasure. Now they discovered their master and they needed to learn and to listen and to follow. They left everything to follow him. This is what it means to be a disciple. That we put Jesus first and foremost in our life. That we no longer play the Simon Says game that I say this and so this will be done. That we listen to the Lord call all the shots now. We follow the Lord's will for our life, not our own selfish desires or plans. However, beautiful they may seem, that we become followers and follow the leader, our Master, Jesus Christ. And that anything that gets in the way of that following, we leave behind. That's what we must leave behind. Everything is secondary to the priority that disciples are called to give to Christ. Can you see that this wonderful story is our story? It's a story of every Christian who's called to follow Jesus. And as I said, it, interestingly, I think it's only after we have experienced a long night of laboring, working, trying to make things work a certain way in our own life, to achieve our own goals, and not having much to show for it, that opens us up to understanding and appreciating and finally living this beautiful gospel. Thank God if you've experienced failure and frustration. Thank God if a loss in your life has brought you to the empty space inside yourself where then we're forced to lose control of our own life and placed in a disposition then to allow the Lord to take over our life. Do you get it? We are Peter. And we, like Peter, are seeking 
fishing for fulfillment and we find ourselves in the same boat and the Lord joins us right there where we are where we experience that frustration and where we even experience our failure and promises to fill us in his way in his time and when it comes it will truly be a miracle of god amen thank you for listening to father jim's gospel teaching we hope you have been inspired and will subscribe to this weekly podcast and share it with your family and friends The mission of Heart to Heart is to proclaim the good news of God's Son, Jesus, to the entire world. For more inspirational teachings by Father Jim and Father Michael, visit our website, www.htoh.us. May God bless your heart and the hearts of all your loved ones.